Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the nation from Atlanta, Georgia. And full disclosure, I am in my home studio today and the lights are flickering as a tornado is nearby and the rain is pouring down. It's a mess outside. Uh, bad weather. At least it got me out of middle school soccer game this afternoon. <laughs> uh, the upside of bad weather. Uh, look, I love my kid and I like to see him on the soccer field playing soccer. But do we really want to go sit there for an hour today? No. The phone number here, 877-973-7425. Y'all are going to have to forgive me. Oh, my gosh. I'm about to say a few words, and some of you are going to race to your keyboard to send me angry all-caps messages. Don't. We need to talk about 2024. Now, I say some of you will race to your keyboards and send me hate mail for saying we need to talk about 2024 because uh, after the 2020 election, when I started talking about 2022, I was like, we just got through 2020. How can you talk about 2022? And now we're not even the 2022 midterms and we're talking about 2024. There's a point. There's a point. And it relates to 2022, so don't freak out on me that I'm going to talk about 2024. We're not talking presidential here. The Democrats, y'all who are voting Democrat, y'all have got a problem. And it's starting to dawn on the Democratic Party. The Republicans have a chance for a supermajority in 2024 in the Senate overcome any filibuster. It's bad for the Democrats, and they're starting to really realize it and freak out about it. David Shore is the progressive pollster who lost his job in 2020 for daring to tell Democrats that uh, riots after George Floyd and defunding the police were going to cost them support. They all got mad at him. They accused him of being racist for saying it. He was right. He lost his job. He landed on his feet, lucky for him. He's an interesting guy in that he's a very progressive pollster and data analyst, and yet he's willing to call balls and strikes and say, look, I want this to happen, but it's not going to happen. And David Shore is one of the people telling Democrats, "Uh, you ain't seen nothing yet. There are some problems for the GOP. I'm hearing from more and more national Republicans who are increasingly concerned uh, about Herschel Walker and his team in Georgia that they're not going to be able to withstand the Democrats in the general election. Uh, And their concern is, if you look at the data, Georgia is going to be a large Republican state and have a lot of turnout, but there are a lot of people who are concerned that suburban white voters will turn on Herschel Walker with all the dirt out there. Uh, His Republican opponents are trying to get him into a runoff. I don't know whether they'll succeed. I suspect, given the polling, uh, he will win outright. And uh, I got to tell you, all living in Georgia, y'all don't understand what's going on. And even in Georgia, you may not. I watch most of my television off streaming services. In particular, uh, sports, if it's on ESPN Plus or whatnot, 
when they go to commercial break, you see these commercials and Raphael Warnock commercials are everywhere. They're spending $700,000 every two weeks. Raphael Warnock, the Democrat, on positive, upbeat, I'm working for you commercials. And the Republicans have barely gone after Raphael Warnock. Now, I was told in 2020 that Raphael Warnock had over 30 variations of his average. No, 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 no. It was higher than that. Uh, Warnock had, I, I want to say it was like 70 variations of his ads. If you were white and a gun owner, you saw something. If you were white and rich, you saw something. If you were white and poor, you saw something. If you lived in South Georgia, you saw something. If you lived inside the perimeter of Atlanta, you saw something. If you were black, you saw something. If you were Hispanic, you saw something. If you were gay, you saw something. I mean, he, he had it narrowed down like 70 variations of ads depending on where you, if you were on YouTube or you were on Twitter, or you were on a streaming service, you saw a different ad. And uh, John Ossoff, the Democrat who won in Georgia in the, the runoff in 2021, January 2021, he had over 30 variations of ads that ran digitally. Uh, David Perdue had four, Kelly Loeffler had two. The ads were customized and targeted specifically to demographics of people. So if you were a white Republican gun owner, you saw a, an ad that would put your mind at ease. If you were a black Democrat, you saw an ad on civil rights and voting rights. If you were a white uh, gay progressive in Atlanta, you saw something on the Equality Act. If you were a uh, if you were a white person down in South Georgia who was a farmer, you saw about farms. If you were black in South Georgia and, and a farmer, you saw ads that were customized to uh, discrimination claims about the Department of Agriculture against black farmers. It was that hyper targeted, and it worked. And he's already up doing it. And Republicans nationally are starting to get despondent about Herschel Walker's chances against him because they don't think the team is prepared to go up against him in a general. And he's being so guarded in a primary. He's not coming out making public appearances. And that's going to be turned against him in the general. They're concerned. They've moved to Nevada and Arizona. And I am told reliably you're going to see some money shifting to Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Nevada as nationally Republicans write off Georgia in 2022 for the Senate. By the way, they also think that in Georgia, uh, Brian Kemp is going to beat David Perdue. Kemp has come back up on ads against David Perdue as the Purdue team has launched about $800,000 in spending against Kemp. Kemp's being um, on the offense here, trying to keep Purdue down below 40% to avoid any sort of runoff. It looks like it's going to work. Nobody at this point thinks that Purdue can pull it off, including people on the Purdue team from what I'm told. But nonetheless, uh, we're talking about the Senate here. In Arizona, you got to beat Mark Kelly, and in Nevada, you got to beat uh, what uh, Cortez Musio or whatever her name is. And the Democrats have a problem. They've got two problems. One is COVID, which they're doing fine in the polls right now. The other is Title Forty Two. I played this clip yesterday from Amy Walter uh, with Cook Political Report, but you got to listen to this again. <laughs> Amy Walter, I, I will. Uh, I want to put up. She brought up Mark Kelly, uh, and uh, I'll br- add another senator in here, Maggie Hassan. Yeah. Let me put up here Mark Kelly. Unacceptable to end Title Forty Two without a plan and coordination. Maggie Hassan ending Title Forty Two prematurely will likely lead to a migrant surge. And of course, we heard from Joe Manchin. Title Forty Two has been an essential tool. This immigration is, is not a just a border line. issue, no. right? Because New it Hampshire. becomes right. It becomes. They're not worried about Maine. More of <laughs> they are much. This is much about. 
the issue of competency, preparedness. Um, you know, you and I, well, everyone around the table, we watch a lot of campaign ads. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been watching a lot of Republican primary ads, and it seems like immigration's in every one of those ads. So I went back and I asked the folks who, who cover this, yes, mm-hmm. but more so than ever. So at this point, this is early March, th- more than 30% of all Republican primary ads mention the border or immigration. At this point in 2018, it was 12%. It is an issue that is not just animating, right now it's animating the Republican base, but it becomes an issue, as I said, much more about is the administration prepared to deal with the problems that go on their plate? And it just seems that so, so often with the administration thus far, it is much more about wish casting yeah. than it is preparation. Wish casting about inflation, right? It's going to be transitory. Yeah. Wish casting that we're going to get mansion, we're going to get cinema, they're going to, they're going to just, come around eventually this immigration isn't going to solve itself the border isn't going to solve itself it's not here's anthony blinken the secretary of state donna first when it comes to title 42 all along we've been following the science that's what this is about so when uh, the the cdc and others uh conclude that the science doesn't uh doesn't warrant that uh as is now happening uh then we'll we'll, we'll take action here's my focus uh and uh, the vice president's focus as well uh, we're focused on uh, making sure that people throughout our hemisphere have opportunities at home going forward so they're not faced with this, uh, this really hard choice of leaving everything behind and trying to come to the United States. So building that kind of opportunity, creating what uh, one of my colleagues has called a right to remain, is, is our focus. In the nearer term, the focus I have is um, trying to make sure that transit countries in particular um, uh, take steps to uh, make sure that, uh, it, uh, that, that folks who might come or try to come to the United States through their countries, uh, can't do that. So that's what I'm focused on. That's what he's focused on. Uh, the uh, Attorney General of Arizona, uh, Bronovich, is running for the United States Senate there in the primary, Republican primary, wants to go up against Mark Kelly. This is what he says. Yeah, Lawrence, I literally was at the U.S. Supreme Court a little more than a month ago personally arguing against the Biden administration rescinding the public charge rule. They want to give welfare benefits. They want to essentially monetize and incentivize people coming here. And now when you see what's going on in this budget, I mean, literally, they want to decrease the number of ice beds by 25 percent. They literally want to give 150 million, as you just indicated, to lawyers, essentially lawyers that are defending people uh, that are in the country illegally. My goodness, as a hardworking middle-class guy who grew up here in Arizona, I mean, people are struggling in my neighborhood to buy groceries and gas. They can't afford homes, and now the Democrats in Congress and Cartel Kelly want to give $150 million of taxpayer money to lawyers so they can help people break the law. Quite frankly, I thought this was an April Fool's Day joke when I first heard it. I mean, but the joke's on the American taxpayers. The Biden administration, their policies, and his enablers in Congress are making us less safe and Americans are dying and now we're going to waste taxpayer dollars to incentivize people breaking the law. It's crazy. Oh, a little more. This is Joe Manchin. Maybe that, that would get us to spur us to get a good immigration policy or to Americans secure the borders. Borders have to be secure. Borders have to be secure. If you couldn't understand what he was saying there, borders have to be secure. This is a problem for the administration. In Arizona and in Nevada, even in a place like New Hampshire, far removed from the border, immigration is a major concern. And the Biden administration looks like they're going to scrap Title 42 and we're going to have millions, not hundreds of thousands, but millions of people 
coming across the border. That sets the stage for 2024. If Republicans take back the Senate by even a couple of seats, they are on serious offense in 2024. It's a brutal map. Why? Because in 2018, the Democrats had a very good election cycle. That was the Trump midterm. And they it really helped them out with the Senate. They didn't get control, but they came close. So let me give you who's at play in 2024. Uh, you got Wyoming, West Virginia, Joe Manchin. It's R plus 39. If he doesn't run again, the Republicans will take it. So that's another one. You got North Dakota, Republican now, Tennessee, Utah, New Nebraska, Mississippi. Then you got Montana, John Tester. So R plus 16, and, and he didn't do great last time. They could potentially flip that one. Then you got Indiana Republican, Missouri Republican. You got Ohio, Sherrod Brown is a Democrat. So R plus eight, they could take that one. You got Texas and Florida. Then you got Arizona, Kristen Sinema. The Democrats don't like her. They're, she's not a Republican. The Republicans could challenge her. It's a D plus 0.3. Wisconsin and Tammy Baldwin, she's not super popular. Uh, Bob Casey in Pennsylvania, D plus 1.2. They, they could flip that one. Nevada, Jackie Rosen, they could really flip that one. And Debbie Stabenow in Michigan, they could flip that one. They could flip Amy Klobuchar in Minnesota. I mean, you keep going down, you're, you're, you're looking at a lot of flips around the country for the Democrats. It could be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, plausibly eight Democratic pickups. If you get to 52 in the Senate with the Republicans in 2022, and you pick up eight Democrats in 2024, you've got a 60-seat Republican majority. They overcome the filibuster, and it's starting to dawn on Democrats. And you know what they're going to do, of course. They're going to scream even louder about how illegitimate the Senate is, and that's not going to be able to win them the Senate. And when Joe Biden gets rid of Title 42, and he is expected to within the month, it's going to make immigration a bigger issue, and the Democrats are already upside down in the polling there. The Biden administration cannot help themselves. Again, I ask it all the time, and i got to ask it again. How are the Democrats so bad at this right now? Hello there. How about we take some phone calls here? 877-973-7425. Tanner, you're going to be up first. Welcome. Hey, Eric. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, so I just wanted your take on this, and I, I've been keeping this in. I think I finally just need to ask someone about it. They may know I'm talking about, but I'm sure you know uh, about plurality voting, where you know if you two candidates of the same party uh, go head to head versus you know another candidate. I, basically, I'm just going to get to the point. I, I think David Perdue is causing a lot of issues uh, in the Georgia Republican Party, specifically regarding these primaries. Uh, we saw it. We already saw it once. We saw him and Kelly Leffler go head to head, and then a Democrat got it. And now I'm just I'm just watching it happen in front of my eyes. Is David Perdue coming in here um, to steal stuff away from Brian Kemp, which, regardless of how you feel about that, um, is happening. And I just have a feeling that this is putting Stacey Abrams right in the seat. And I mean, I'm just watching. So I, I like to see what uh, yeah, what your look, thoughts are on that. I, I'm I'm concerned. Not that I I think Perdue is going to win, but he's causing uh, Kemp to have to spend a lot of money 
in order to hold the seat that he deserves to hold. And that's every dollar he's got to spend against Purdue is a dollar not spent against Stacey Abrams. And you know, Purdue's not going to pony up after this over and say, oh, my bad. Hope all my donors support you. They're not going to do that. I mean, for God's sake, Stacey Abrams has raised more money in the state of Georgia than David Perdue. Most of his money comes from Trump supporters out of Georgia. And they're trying to disrupt the state and hand it to the Democrats, which is unfortunate. Uh, it's not going to work, but it's going to cost Kemp money that should be used against Abrams. Wyatt, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Hey, Eric. How's it going? Hopefully the uh, the rain isn't too bad on your end. Yeah, it's, it's pretty hairy outside, but I'm inside, so I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to hear, man. Um, well, I, I can't say too much on uh, on Kemp or uh, Purdue because I'm I'm politically you know connected, but um, and of course I know a lot of people that listen to your show. But I mean, it, it's it's a wonderful thing. I mean, I carry everywhere, you know, and that's what we need more of. I mean, and to make just uh, kind of things go a little bit smoother, I think the Republican Party really needs to to go after the localities. You know, I mean, I've been in the fight for, uh, you know, the Forsyth County School Board. Uh, and now I'm, I'm in the fight for District 6 for uh, Congress. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's it's just, it's crazy how the Democrats can band together, you know, when it comes to, to voting. Whereas, you know, a lot of the times us on the right, we like to, to sort of infight more or less. Yeah, you're right. Um, we do. And, and keep in mind as well that uh, one of the reasons Republicans fight as much as we do, particularly in a state like Georgia, but even nationwide to some degree, is because we're, we're more the dominant party now. And we're kind of used to see nationwide Republicans squabbling. There are many more people coming into the Republican Party. And we've gone through a political uh, dis- disentanglement, a political realignment at the same time. And so people are trying to to figure out who's going to be dominant within the Democratic or within the Republican Party. The the Democrats are unified because they're hungry for a win. The Democrats have been out of power in a state like Georgia for so long, they're very unified because they just want to win. If they win, they'll start having all the fighting Republicans are having right now. But the Democrats are fighting right now, the Republicans on this constitutional carry. For those of you unfamiliar with constitutional carry. Half the states now have it. Georgia just became the 25th. Half the states. How good is the gun gun control movement when half the states now you can carry a gun without having to get an extra license? It doesn't mean you can buy a gun with no background check. You have to have the background check to buy the gun. But once you have it, you don't have to have any extra permission from the state to carry your gun under constitutional carry. The Democrats want to call it criminal carry. Most people will want to carry their gun around for their own safety. All right, the phone number here is 877-973-7425. If you, oh, well, this is kind of sad. Barack Obama is at the White House and and Joe Biden is wandering aimlessly around and everyone wants to talk. (laughs) Wow, that is bad. Everybody wants to talk to Obama. Literally, Joe Biden is walking around trying to make conversation and people are walking past him. Going to Barack. There's Nancy Pelosi. Oh, she just snubbed Joe and went over to Barry. My goodness gracious. Oh, it's bad. All right. So we we need to talk about the Republicans and their fight back. I there are oh, there are a lot of things I want to say. 
and I need to be organized and principled here to keep it entertaining and, and keep you guys informed. Uh, people are talking about the Florida law, the, the parental rights and education law, that, that only the groomers would oppose it. Now, when people say groomers, what they're talking about are not your barbers and stylists. They're talking about the people who make kids comfortable with sex so that they can then be uh, moved into uh, sexualized human trafficking situations or the like. Uh, the deliberate act of bringing a child into a sexual, political, or racial, ideological practice, cult, or lifestyle without the knowledge or consent of his or her parents for the aim of isolating the child from his or her family so the external party can abuse and manipulate them. Uh, the isolation of a kid from their parents, uh, getting kids away from their parents and starting to, to normalize inappropriate things with them. Uh, here's what's really going on here with the Florida law. Stop saying it's for uh, only pedophiles and groomers would oppose it. There are there are people who think it's too far. I support the law. I'm just trying to make you understand the other side here. It's one thing Republicans and conservatives are supposed to be able to do is understand the other side better than us. Some think the law is just so overbroad that uh, what if the what if the uh, teacher wants to talk about their marriage to the kids, wants to talk about their husband or same-sex couple or heterosexual couple. Would the law allow it? Things like that. There are concerns. And listen, you can say, well, I just don't think you should be talking about your relationships anyway. Ah, people want to be relate. They, they want to relate beyond the practice of school. I get it. The problem here is what no one wants to acknowledge is that the reason this law came into being is not for some hypothetical situation, but because there were real examples in Florida and elsewhere of teachers who were helping children behind their parents' backs transition, get access to medicines, direct them to abortions, or start talking openly about sexual situations with them. Trying to normalize things a lot of parents don't want their kids normalized too. And we're not talking same-sex marriage and stuff. We're talking transgenderism and, and uh, inappropriate sexual promiscuity and the like. And so Republicans finally took action on a cultural issue. I said yesterday, one of the things the left has done is they've started playing by the rights rules. The right has been successful in separating the public and the private sphere. And the left realizes it. And while the right was busy taking over the courts, the left was busy taking over the Fortune 500. And now the Fortune 500 funds and promotes a lot of things uh, that are contrary to the values of conservatives and contrary to what parents might want. And now Republicans are stepping up regulation and the left's like, you can't do that. You you said there was a public sphere and a private sphere. How dare you fight back now? Catherine Rample is a progressive uh, business writer in the Washington Post. The GOP no longer argues that free markets rather than government should choose winners or losers. In today's Republican Party, the primary economic role of the state is not to get out of the way. It is instead to reward friends and crush political enemies. Fox News anchor Laura Ingram expressed the new ethos in a recent monologue threatening companies that advocate for LGBTQABCDEFG rights, ballot access, racial justice, and sundry other political stances that are anathema in today's GOP. 
When, Repu- when Republicans, they get back into power, Apple and Disney need to understand one thing. Everything will be on the table, he remarked. Your copyright, trademark protection, your special status within certain states, even your corporate structure itself. The antitrust division at Justice needs to begin the process of considering which American companies need to be broken up once and for all for competition's sake and ultimately for the good of the consumers who pay the bills. This might have been an unusually eloquent articulation of Republicans' punitive new approach to economic policy, but it's hardly unique. And then she goes into a diatribe against Ron DeSantis, upset with Disney, suggesting he could get rid of the tax breaks Disney gets in Florida. Friends on the left, you need to understand that the right's not just going to sit back and take it when you go in, take over businesses and use those businesses to advance your agenda. They're going to fight back. Now, I personally think the GOP needs to fight back smartly. And if I had a suggestion to advocate, it would be the Ron DeSantis way, not the Laura Ingram way. Laura Ingram wants to target businesses that may be woke and, and sick the DOJ on them for antitrust and break them apart. You know what you're going to get if you break apart a company uh, that's gone woke? You're going to get two woke companies. What Ron DeSantis is suggesting is he will get rid of Disney's ability to govern itself in Florida. And it's tax breaks. It's time to revisit those things. Why are you giving certain businesses special tax breaks? Now, Catherine Rample is upset here because it's conservatives fighting back against private companies that have gone woke. Woko Haram, the terrorist organization rampant across the American left, has taken over these companies and seeks to use those companies and their money and their power and their influence to shake up society and make society more woke. And Republicans are fighting back. And the left is furious. The right might fight back with corporate regulation. Like, I'm telling you, the way the right should fight back and be most effective at it is to actually get rid of the regulation. Get rid of the tax breaks. Get rid of the perks. Get rid of, for example, Disney's ability to govern itself as a special status entity in Florida. Why does Disney get special treatment in Florida? Because it employs so many people? Well, there are other big employers in Florida too. Stop treating Disney differently from all the other employers. Stop treating Fortune 500 companies as if they're better than small companies. There's an organization out there called the NFIB, the National Federation of Independent Business. It is the lobbyist for smaller businesses. The Chamber of Commerce at the state level and the federal level, more often than not, backs the major companies. If you pull up, for example, here I am in Georgia, you pull up the Chamber of Commerce, you're going to find uh, the big Fortune 500 companies playing a disproportionate role. The Coca-Colas, the Home Depots, the Delta Airlines, uh, the, the, the Truthy Bank. The, they call themselves Truist. It's the stupidest name for a bank, but don't get me started. George Power. You're going to find the major corporations. You go to your state, your big state, you're going to find the same thing. In, in, in Texas, you're going to find Dell. You'll probably find Apple there as well. Uh, you'll, you'll find the big Texas corporation, the oil companies. They'll be involved. In, in Florida, you're going to find Disney involved. In the Chamber of Commerce, at the federal level, it's all the big Fortune 500 companies. And oftentimes, the Fortune 500 companies, they want to be protected and they want to be subsidized by the government. 
They want to have their privileges locked in at the expense of their competitors. The NFIB, on the other hand, represents small businesses and recognizes that the things that big business wants oftentimes are anti-competitive. And oftentimes, the only reason a big business can have its way is because it shuts out competition, and so you should embrace competition. Republicans would be wise to do this. You're not, you don't need to impose special taxes. You don't need to break up corporations. You don't need to, to, um, you don't need to target them with the Department of Justice. Just take away their special breaks. Take away their special powers. Take away their special tax loopholes. Take away their special interests. Make them compete. And then don't bail them out when they hit hard times. One of the things that the government does for Disney is it continually advances its copyright on Mickey Mouse. So you and I, if we get a copyright in uh, several decades, our copyright goes away and our uh, book or our drawing or whatever it is goes into the public interest. And anyone can take it and use it. You know how you see the Calvin and Hobbes stickers over Calvin and Hobbes? Greatest, now, I shouldn't say it's the greatest. Uh, Snoopy, I think, is the greatest cartoon, Peanuts. It may not be my favorite, but it's the greatest because none of the others would have come but for its success. It is therefore the greatest. Calvin and Hobbes is, I think, the best. Calvin and Hobbes is a wonderful cartoon. It is no longer in production. When I was in college, it finished its run, and there's been a void left ever since. Calvin and Hobbes is wonderful. That and the far side. But if you go around the country, you will see Calvin, the lead character, and he's peeing on objects, or he's giving the middle finger, or some such. Uh, Bill Watterson, he copyrighted Calvin and Hobbes, but he has never enforced the copyright. And so people now uh, recreate Calvin doing all sorts of obscene things. And they put them on the back of their trucks and cars and the like. They don't, uh, Bill Waterston, the, the author, never really enforced his copyright. Disney is ruthless about enforcing the copyright on Mickey Mouse. And Mickey Mouse should be in the public domain now. He should. But Congress has perpetually extended Disney's copyright. Maybe it's time to stop treating Disney better than you treat everyone else and let Mickey Mouse into the public domain. Apple is the same way with that. Apple sues anyone. You, you name anything Apple, Apple's going to sue. If you have an Apple company that sells apples, Apple is going, particularly if they're Macintosh apples, Apple's going to sue your company. Uh, if you put Apple in the name of your business, even though you're selling apples, you're not selling the digital Apple, you're selling the real Apple Macintosh, not the computer Apple Macintosh. Apple's going to sue you. They're going to pour all their resources into it, and Congress is not going to step up and protect the little guy. Maybe it's time to protect the little guy. There's nothing wrong with that. It's perfectly conservative. You're leveling the playing field. The greatest president who ever was is not named Ronald Reagan. He's number two. Number one, the greatest president ever is Calvin Coolidge. Calvin Coolidge had a lot of great sayings. He was a man of few words, and pretty much every word he said was great. There was a woman one time, he was named Silent Cal, 
and a woman came up to him one time and said, Mr. Uh, Mr. President, uh, my friend bet me that I could get you to say three words. Calvin Coolidge looked her in the eye and said, you lose. <laughs> he had another great saying, and it is actually my, my management philosophy. It drives people on my team crazy, but it is my management philosophy. When you're standing on the road and 10 troubles are bounding down the highway towards you, if you stand still, nine of the 10 will bound off the road before they get to you. Don't react immediately when you see all the troubles headed your way. Most of them will resolve themselves before you, the manager, need to get involved. And it's that last thing that will need your attention. Calvin Coolidge also said something else. The role, keep in mind, deeply conservative president, the role of government is to ensure a level playing field so all parties, big and small, can benefit from the American dream. Calvin Coolidge believed the role of government was to level the playing field. Republicans these days, big business Republicans, have actually tilted the playing field to the advantage of the Chamber of Commerce. You tilt it back and just level the playing field, you sort out a lot of these problems. Catherine Rample, the reporter of the Washington Post, she's outraged the Republicans would uh, involve themselves in punishing companies. Oh, it's going to look like punishing companies. It's going to look like punishing Disney. But all they're doing is they're leveling the playing field and telling Disney, you want to get involved in politics against conservatives. Conservatives are going to use every tool at their disposal to fight back. You're, you can't expect conservatives sur to surrender when the wokes take over private corporations. What conservatives should not do is be aggressive regulators like the left, because then you just open the door to the left to return the favor when they take power. Instead, you should massively deregulate against the interests of the private sector. And getting rid of Disney's half-century-old special status under Florida law is one way to deregulate in a way that's fair for everybody else. And Disney deserves it. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. You can't call because you're out of time. You you had an opportunity. Now you can't call. Y'all, the this is from the Wall Street Journal. The United States wants more oil from Canada. That's right. Uh Joe Biden's solution. They're they're vilifying oil manufacturers in America right now. Here's Pete Buttigieg. So when the president took this action to release those barrels of oil from the strategic reserve, that is one of the things that's going to help stabilize oil prices. Obviously, there's no one piece, there's no one dial that controls those prices, but that's something that's going to make an impact. So are some of the other steps that have been taken. And, you know, frankly, a lot of this also uh, is something where we've got to look at the oil company executives who say they're not going to add supply or production right now uh, and ask whether that's really the right direction to go at a time like this. Can't help but notice that when oil goes up, uh, gas goes up right, uh, right with it, right alongside it. Uh, but when those oil prices start coming back down to normal, the same thing does not seem to be happening with gas prices. We've got to take a look at that, and we've got to address it. Oh, so those e evil, awful oil manufacturers and companies that you've been vilifying, why would they want to invest more in oil production in this country when you're just going to vilify them for that? So now the solution for the Biden administration is, hey, let's get more oil from Canada. There's just a problem. Joe Biden killed the Keystone XL pipeline and doesn't want to approve it now. Again, headline, 
New, uh, Wall Street Journal. Biden administration officials are seeking ways to boost oil imports from Canada. People familiar with the situation say, but with one big caveat, they don't want to resurrect the Keystone XL pipeline that President Biden effectively killed on his first day in office. The people said deliberations are in early stages and there's no clear-cut solutions. Canada could export some more oil via rail. Oh, yes. Put it on rail cars and see if the eco-terrorists flip them over. Or they could also pump more oil by increasing pressure on existing lines or installing larger pipelines along permitted routes. Those options, however, offer limited potential because rail transport is expensive and existing pipelines are at or near capacity. The Keystone XL expansion would carry 830,000 barrels a day of Canadian crude from Alberta to Nebraska, where the pipeline would meet with the existing Keystone pipeline and then to refineries in the U.S. Gulf Coast. Canada has ample reserves under its soil to meet U.S. demand. Uh, The problem is getting it here. The Biden administration has done everything possible to make it impossible to get that oil here and now says it wants to bring it here. And the way they want to bring it here is in rail cars. In the last couple of years, there have been a number of attempts to sabotage rail lines by eco-terrorists who want to stop oil flowing into this country. And you know what that does? It causes disruptions in small communities around the country where the tankers tip over. A pipeline would be the most environmentally friendly way to flow the oil here, but the Biden administration is too dogmatically anti-oil to do that, even as they recognize they've got to get more oil into the United States of America, since our oil manufacturers have no interest in producing anymore, since the Biden administration continues to vilify them and drive them out of business. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building. You want to build a building. Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.